0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Narrated by Woody Harrelson and directed by critically acclaimed filmmakers Josh Tickell, as well as Rebecca Harold tickell Kiss the Ground unveils a game changer. We can reverse global warming, and the Earth's soil is the solution. By regenerating Earth, we can completely and rapidly stabilize our planet's climate, restore lost ecosystems, and create abundant food supplies. There is a ton of beautiful footage in this film and a whole host of wonderful people, including Giselle Bunchen, Tom Brady, Jason Mraz, Ian Summerholder as well as Patricia Arquette and Rosario Dawson. And the film, again, is called Kiss the Ground, and it is a wonderful film. And for those of you who are looking for some holiday cheer, this is a great film to check out, Kiss the Ground. And we're joined today by the co-directors of that film, and that would be Rebecca Tickell, as well as Joshua Tickell. Thank you both for being here on Film School Radio. Thanks, Thanks, Mike, for having us. us. We're excited to
1: be here.
0: So I'll start with you, Rebecca. The issues and the solutions that are discussed in "Kiss the Ground," I remember hearing about this. Believe it or not, in the '80s, people were talking about the restoration of soil, and this was put to me in this very. And we'll get into it later on in our discussion about this. But it was put to me that 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 was a key in terms of sort of restoring the earth. And at that time, it, it was climate change wasn't the issue, but just the erosion of 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 arable land was certainly an issue even then. How did you both get involved in, in this issue, and this subject?
1: Well, I, I actually started in an unlikely way. I um, was in the entertainment business at eight years old. I started off as an actress. I was in a Christmas film called Prancer. So okay. at a very early age, I was on a set with Sam Elliott and all of these Hollywood legends. And shortly after I became kind of a household name for a minute and as a little girl, Being able to see the power that film has to change the world left such a deep impression on me that I knew that this was something that I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to make movies. I wanted to leave people feeling the way that I feel when I watch a movie that changes my life. Like how many times have I had this moment of watching a film and suddenly nothing is the same again because it opens up my mind and my heart and everything to this new perspective. And so when I came out to Hollywood and I got involved in show business here, it was not about making a difference. That was not the type of work that I was auditioning for. It wasn't this kind of thing that was available to me. I was either you know, a victim or eye candy, basically. And I wanted to do something meaningful with my life. I really cared about the environment. And when I was younger, I had seen Josh driving the veggie van on the Today Show. When I was a late teen, there he was, he had come from Louisiana in Cancer Alley, and he saw that there was a better way to make fuel. And he started, he helped jumpstart a movement, the biodiesel movement, by taking used cooking oil and converting that into biodiesel and writing a book that then taught people how to do that. And I remember being so inspired like, here's a person who's coming, who's come from this awful situation. Right. And yet he's using his, life force to make the world a better place. And I was so inspired. So sure enough, when I ran into Josh and the veggie van in Los Angeles, you know, a decade later, I was I was done for. And, you know, he had spent all a lot of time working with farmers and agriculture. And my dad's a farmer. I'm a sixth generation farmer. You know, I was born in Ohio, and I saw the land there being degraded and the soil blowing away. So it For me, it was a no-brainer when I learned, when we learned that soil, that agriculture and soil health can actually reverse climate change. Generative agriculture can actually store all of that extra carbon, that teraton of carbon that we've emitted into the atmosphere. We can actually store that in the ground. And it's the single most actionable thing that we as people can do and I had no idea. We had no idea. And so clearly it was our, it was our, it's our thir- 14th film on the environment. And clearly when we found wow. that out, that was going to be a no brainer. For
0: us. Well, Josh, that kind of tees it up for you in terms of your earlier work with fuel and, and other films. Was there something of an aha moment when you started to explore this part of the mosaic of how are we going to maintain the earth? How are we going to restore it to some sort, some form or glory that we, we can all enjoy? you
2: know, if you look at all of our films, they all have a central message of, you know, biophilia or love of life. And we had been looking for the next project that was worth putting, you know, time and energy into. And if you look at the environmental filmmaking genre as a genre, you know, I think, I think it, it's, or environmentalism as a genre of, of storytelling or, or kind of a lens to look at the world, you know, environmentalism has been stuck in a bit of a rut for a while. We've kind of been in a bit of a negative place about the environment. Um, You know, look at what spurred the first Earth Day. And, and we look at the Cayuga River on fire. And we look at these sort of landmark issues, Santa Barbara oil spill, you know, there was President Nixon walking on the beach in his wing-tipped shoes and, and this wave of consciousness that came out of the 60s and 70s around the environment was largely caused by these extremely negative things that happened. And so since that time, we've kind of had you know, the environment, uh, you could say, celebrating 40 years of negative bad news. You know, that's, been the, that's been the theme of the environmental movement. You know? We're
0: still here.
2: Yeah, we're still celebrating the next worst news, you know? Uh, and so you kind of divide people immediately into two camps. People are like, somebody eventually should pay attention to all of this bad news and we should do something about it, you know? And those are, that's us. That's the environmentalists. Oh my God, Greenies and, you know, Ed Bagley and Josh and Rebecca and all these people. And then there's everybody else who's just like, I just don't have time to deal with it, you know? Because it's too negative, first of all. And second of all, I don't have time. And so what we've been trying to do with our films is gradually pivot the needle toward a place where we can bring everyone together, doesn't matter if you're a greenie or not, and you can find a universal story that you can connect with as a human being who lives on earth and who cares about the future. Maybe you have kids, maybe you are a kid, maybe you don't have kids and that's not a priority. But the point is we all have some vested interest on being here on Earth. And what kissed the Ground, I think what we, we we tried to do and what we wanted to do with the movie and what we've been sort of working to do all these years is to find a story that was kind of like the hero's journey, but for Earth. Yeah, And kind of like the hero's journey, but for human beings, just the being of human on planet Earth. It's a story of love. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of connecting with the thing that gives us life,
0: Right?
2: you know, it's a story. This is the ultimate story of the force, you know, the force, (laughs) this is the big force that keeps us alive, you know, and so, you know, if you think of like Yoda and, and like the Jedi Knights connecting with this, this universal, you know, spiritual energy that gave them this supernatural powers Earth is that thing. Yeah. And and I think Kiss the Ground for us, it goes well beyond carbon, well beyond atmosphere, well beyond climate. Yes, it's about all those things, but really it's about regeneration. Regeneration is the operating system of the environment. It's the operating system of nature. And so it is the universal force. And well, you know, boy, we just went from making a boring movie about dirt to making a movie about the force. Yeah, now <laughs> yeah, we've got yeah. something. And I think that as filmmakers is what we we had to find over the course of seven years was like, what was this power that we were playing with and how could audiences connect beyond the science, beyond the climate, all those things, very important. you know, Survival on, on, on earth, very important. But on a, on a sort of metaphysical level, why was it a movie? It's a movie because it's about the most universal act being human on earth
0: you know i think that's the good news about planet earth is it wants to heal itself it it's it's overriding prime directive is restoration is regeneration right it's not as if you have to battle the forces of nature to do what you hope to accomplish and what you highlight in this film yeah earth wants to do this stop we've got to stop preventing it from doing it yeah right I think the that, question
1: is do we want to do it i mean i really right, think that right, we have right, we've right. gotten so lost in the roundup resistant weeds about climate change and whether climate change is real and whether the statistics are accurate that we have gotten to a place where if someone even says climate change literally our biological response to that is to just completely shut down we are at the head in the sands phase of our relationship to our existence on earth right now. And you know, I think I understand how we got ourselves into this situation. I have compassion for our chemical industrial agricultural system coming from a long line of farmers. And at the same time, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves right now is are we willing to do what it takes to survive? Because if we really do want to survive, it's actually great news. There is a pathway for how to do that. The, we just have to get ourselves out of that morass of noise that prevents us from truly looking at the solutions. And I think that's why Kiss the Ground is such a groundbreaking film in the sense that we are ma- we made a film about climate change. That's good news. It's a hopeful film about climate change. And it's almost like that is you know, an oxymoron at this phase because we are so far beyond you know, all we hear is bad news. We've got 10 years left to fix it beyond, you know, the point of no return. And kids are like, I'm not going to school. You've messed up my future. And we've really reached our breaking point. But it's good. It's good. It's an opportunity because that means that this is the breaking point is the moment where things shift. And we're at that point right now.
0: This is the opportunity that we're what you're talking about. And this is a film that addresses this dynamic. And that is... The environmental movement always has seemed to be on the defensive to sort of stop people from doing stuff to be answering for questions that have been essentially the information has been buried somewhere in somebody's corporate portfolio about the actual damage that's being done to the planet so it's a very we've been very reactive and again going back to what kissed the ground as you just said it is about being it's about being positive about these things and you've got some of the people you've got in the film were just terrific and I I've never heard of it's Alan Savory am I is Correct. That right? you've got it I did see him on Bill Maher but I didn't remember it until I saw it in your film mm. him, him talking and he seems to be sort of the godfather of this idea of soil restoration or at least he's one who's done an awful lot in terms of raising the profile of this as a, a remedy for what we're dealing with. And let, let's be honest, this, a lot of this is ancient culture too, right? This is, a lot of this is indigenous culture writ large. Is that fair to say?
2: Yes, uh, in both a good way and a bad way. Right. Uh, you right. know, I think we have to look back. You know, There have there've been, there've been 22 major civilizations that have tried right. Right. the same experiment that we're doing. Right. And if we look at where those civilizations have occurred, you know, we're talking about everywhere from ancient Egypt to Mesoamerica to, uh, you know, across Asia, you know, major dynasties, you know, the Han dynasty, the the, the first major civilization of humanity uh, is the one that we now look toward as kind of this guiding, well, they created an empire and then they extended the resources and then they degraded their soil. What happened? The the civilization imploded. And so we've done that experiment 20 some odd times. Now, there is a strain of indigenous wisdom that was not the empire building wisdom. It was the hunter, gatherer, shamanistic wisdom. This was the, these were the Navajo, these were the, you know, the Sioux, which was the Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota. And these were people who understood that to work with nature, you had to dance inside the relationship of predator and prey. And that ultimately to restore nature required animals. And the animals had to move. They constantly had to move across the land. And what that did is it tore the grasses a little bit. It put a lot of fertility on the ground. And it jump-started that regeneration cycle. So now we fast forward to today and we go, well, which, you know, it's not a question of do we want ancient wisdom or not? It's a question of which ancient wisdom do we right. want? Right. Do we want the 22 civilizations that perished, of which we will become 23 if we don't heed the warnings? Or do we want the knowledge of the great, powerful hunter-gatherer, the, the achuar of the Amazon, the, the Sioux of the Americas, the, you know, the aboriginals of Australia, and so on and so on? And what, what's cool about regeneration, as we show and Kiss the Ground, It takes from modern science, and it uses the best of. It takes from ancient wisdom, from the shamanistic hunter-gatherer societies, and it uses the best of, the integration of animals. And it takes from modern agriculture, from from people who understood how organic agriculture could be the way, you know, one straw revolution, farmers of 40 centuries, things that came out of Korea, as well as Rudolf Steiner, that came out of Germany and France. So it is literally the synthesis of the best of human knowledge into one system. And what we realize is it's just a system of working with nature, as you said. Nature wants to regenerate. You pull a leaf off a tree, a tree grows into a new leaf. And what we forget as human beings is you degrade two-thirds of the planet, which is what we've done. The planet wants to regenerate that two-thirds. And Alan Savory is a cool character in the, in the movie because he shows us literally, how to put grasslands back on the two thirds of the planet that we've turned into desert. It doesn't matter where, what you believe about climate change. Let's just talk about what it would mean to regenerate two thirds of the planet. You feed 10 billion people. So all of a sudden you have more calories, more food than we need as a species. You balance the water cycle. So now local rainfall is not these crazy torrential tornadoes and hurricanes, it's balanced rainfall you balance heat cycles, so you're not going through these intense megafires. Well, people in Los Angeles, I could get into that, not living in intense megafires, sign me up. Uh, So you do all of these things that just make sense. and That's why Kiss the Grounds really, it's a love song to earth. It's a love song to the basic primal principles of biology and, and humanity.
0: Well, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the Co directors of this terrific documentary film called Kiss the Ground. And that would be Joshua Tickell as well as Rebecca Harrell T- Tickell, the uh, co directors. Rebecca, how cool is it to have uh, seen the work of John D. Liu in China? How about that for a story?
1: There's a great section in the film where John D. Liu goes to China and he shows how one of the most barren pieces of land, you know, larger than the country of belgium belgium German. yeah belgium right right and they take this area that's completely denuded of life where people are living in extreme poverty desert
0: and may i add really the collapse of a civilization as well in its history so
1: please, absolutely yeah. absolutely the, the absolute collapse of of the people living in that area and they were able to completely regenerate that entire Land, And not only were they able to grow food enough for themselves and for other people, but they have a whole generation of children now that are going to universities and getting education that they didn't have before, and it's a perfect example of what we can do on a global scale with a little bit of ingenuity they use the best of what was there before so they didn't try to create you know um, a oak tree savanna you know they were trying to recreate the land the way it was before we came in and disturbed it which is what regeneration is yeah. um, so just like we would do something differently there than what we we would do in the US or in California versus Oklahoma Um, They were able to bring this uh, area the size of a whole country back to life and completely transform their environment. And we can do the same thing on a global scale.
0: Well, one of the great things about watching that section of the film was the terrain was rocky and it was a very kind of a, the topography was challenging to say the least. Right. Yeah. So for, for, the, for that, to, to for you to watch that happen over the course of, I don't know how many years, but nonetheless, this thriving ecosystem, you know, uh, for people want to know what the, what Joshua you were talking about earlier, there's a great book that came out uh, probably 15 years ago, Elizabeth Colbert. Her book, uh, Field Notes from a Catastrophe, mm-hmm. and it basically chronicled, I think, four or five uh, civilizations that collapsed. Essentially, why Easter Island, Mesopotamia, there was a number of these examples. Lays out how those things happened, and how, and how they were at some point in the in the course of the history of those civilizations, they were foreseeable, and they could have done, they could have taken measures to stop it from happening, mm-hmm. but didn't. Assuming that it would just go on forever that this wouldn't nothing would ever change really that they had to really worry about but in this film again going back to really the central point uh, for me the, of this film is there are measurable sustainable steps that we can take that aren't going to uproot or uh, completely upend our our life as we know it these are things that are doable and um uh, just, I can't say, I think that's just great news <laughs> on so many levels.
1: Yeah, but, um, and uproot, what a great way to describe it. I mean, I think that that literally is it. It's the same thing that, that we were able to see in China, where they were able to regenerate the land in such a short period of time, we've seen happen in the US. The opposite is true. So, like, yes. when, you know, when my ancestors came into the US, some of the first white settlers in the US, you know, they went out and they found America this rich, fertile ripe land for us that we built our entire America on was built on this rich fertile topsoil that we came in and and as a means to control the land and control the people on the land we very quickly destroyed their buffalo herds Uh, this is something
0: I didn't know until your until your film I didn't know that Go ahead.
1: Yes. And as we, we killed for the Lakota, their food source, I mean, the buffalo isn't just their food source. I mean, it's a sacred, It's in, they consider themselves part of the buffalo because their yeah. whole life had, revolves around it. And so in these buffalo would travel in a sacred hoop around the fertile plains of America and in their wake, leaving food, leaving nutrient dense, rich land that was able to feed whole tribes of people, whole communities of people. And so when we came in, my ancestors came in and plowed and started doing, you know, monocrop agriculture. It was very quickly that we found ourselves in a dust bowl. And we were able to destroy that land and take all that carbon, went up in the atmosphere, all of that healthy, nutrient-rich dirt blew away. And we find ourselves not too far off from that, if anything, in a worse situation than we were then. And Kiss the Ground is a great job of showing how what we've done in America, which is desertified America, which is what we're doing, is also what we're doing on a global scale. That's two-thirds of the earth has is desertifying but you know and and that's so we've never destroyed a civilization on a global scale like josh was talking about before like we are right now but we can either have the dust bowl scenario as our future on a global scale or we can have the lowest plateau scenario on a global scale which is one of abundance one of the next generation thriving educated it's just two different models and we just have the option now to choose which one we want and kiss the ground is a great job of of laying out that choice powerfully for people.
0: And we, I mean, again, with the Dust Bowl, we had, a, we had a preview of coming attractions with the Dust Bowl, right? Isn't that sort of kind of, I mean, if you look back in our history, which was only, was about 80 or 90 years ago, we saw what, what can happen. We did take steps, thankfully, thanks to uh Franklin Roosevelt and some foresight into how we can help restore the land. So it, that's another thing about the film, and that is we do see that there are partnerships that can, and this is going to require a massive effort. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around it. In order to do what we hope to accomplish, what you hope to accomplish in this film, is, uh, is going to take a commitment on the part of, of a lot of significant players in our, in our, in our society. They're going to have to get involved. And this is another one of the people in the film that I fell in love with, Ray Archuleta. He's the one who was talking to perhaps the most important constituency in all mm-hmm. of this, which is farmers, right? Yes.
2: Well, to, uh, to your point, Mike, this film, Kiss the Ground, points to the unusual collaborations that are occurring and will be necessary to occur to pass through this. You know, as Rebecca said, this is really an inflection point for our species. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's easy to forget that we're at a tipping point in terms of the climate, because you know, for most of us, it only affects us when there's a huge wall of flames coming to our house, and that only happens if you live in California once a year. So the other eleven months, you kind of forget about it. Um, and and for many people in in the country, you know, these events, these mega events, mega floods, mega fires, mega droughts, mega hurricanes. Yeah, you know, they are more frequent, so there are more reminders. But overall, humans are kind of—we're not the—we're not the best creatures in terms of looking at the big big picture. You know, um, the film really pulls back. It looks at the big picture and it says, "Okay, good news—we can get through this. This this big inflection point, this big decider of whether we're going to live on the planet or not, and how we're going to get there is through partnerships." Ray Archuleta, who you mentioned is a former USDA employee who goes out and talks to farmers. You go, oh my God, this whole thing depends on farmers? Oh my, I don't know. (laughs) Are we going to fix the climate? We're going to depend on farmers? Here's the interesting thing about farmers. The average age of a farmer in the US is 70 years old, 7-0. They're mostly white males. So uh, in the next 10 years, the vast majority, like 85%, will leave the land. So we're going, to have a, we're going to have the largest turnover of land in the history of our country. And it's only a million people that farm in this country. So, you know, we've already had that. The film's already been seen by five or six million people, many of them young people. Uh, it'll be made available for free to 30 million students in January. So our goal with the movie is to get a million new farmers oh, out on the land within the next 10 years. And I think that's totally doable because these aren't just going to be young farmers They're going to be young climate activists. They're going to be young Water activists food activists. These are people who are going to come at this with a totally different passion it's funny. I don't know if you can hear our rooster crowing in the background.
1: It's a baby rooster. He's just, just getting. His, he's, just he's just getting, getting
2: started. His... <laughs> Apparently, he thinks that eleven thirty is you know, wake up time, which is fine. But we, you know, we're doing our own little experiment here in Ohio on our little plot of land because we're passionate about the, we're passionate about the climate. We're passionate about our kids. So, it's really an exciting time. The collaborations are endless.
0: Well, look at the Mars Guards. Right, that, that you we that are featured in the film. Those are the people. That's the kind of people you're talking about. Is and moving into this in this part of our yep. society. They're they, they're terrific. Um, and also, I want to thank you in terms of a, just sort of a film a film level a somatic experience. Woody Harrelson's just a wonderful guide. He has that voice. He has that sort of personality. And I think you know having him as this kind of soothing voice throughout the film was 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 a terrific get for you in terms of. For the film. Sorry. What was it like working with Mr. Harrelson?
2: Woody is a fantastic, you know, uh, look, he's so talented, but he's very passionate about these issues. He's been an environmental activist for decades. Uh, And I think, you know, this is the second project that we've worked on with Woody. He was in our 2008 film, Fuel. And uh, we did a great interview in that film, was there with Woody Harrelson, uh, sorry, Woody was there with Willie Nelson and Neil Young. They were all connected in the, in the early days of the veggie van biodiesel movement. So, they, you know, when we, when we showed up to, uh, I showed up to the first voiceover recording with Woody and Woody's very close friends with one of our producers, Rylan Englehart. They grew up together. And, and Woody was, you know, he's kind of skeptical about doing a film on soil. And uh, I could hear them talking. I, I showed up. I walked into the room and they were saying something about soil. And he's like, I don't know a movie about soil. And then he, and then he saw me, he goes, Oh, this guy, <laughs> the veggie van guy. He's like, okay, okay. If you got this guy, you know, you'll be okay. And then later he, he saw Rebecca again and he realized, oh, these people are the real, they've been doing this for, you know, we've been doing this for over a decade woody he's been doing this for a long time. So he, I think he came at this with the idea that he was with common activists. Yeah. We weren't just sort of Hollywood producers. We were in this for the big green mission. So was he. So he poured his heart into this. God bless him. He did three separate full recordings for the movie just to get it right. Thank you, Woody, for, but, um, do, for doing
1: that. And on the last one, we were filming with all of the kids in Hollywood on the street. They were all holding up the signs at yeah. the end of the film. Yeah. So we're leaving the recording um, booth and going out to be with all the kids on the street. And there was this car, this big SUV that was just idling. There was a driver sitting in it with a car on. And like, here's all the kids waiting for Woody. And Woody, he just cannot pass by this car without knocking on the window. And there was a little bit of vulgarity. And he's like, you got to turn the car off, man. You can't <laughs> sit here with the car idling. There's kids over there. You're you're." And I just thought, I just, you know, the kids were all kind of like, okay. (laughs) But I think that they had like major respect for him because he's somebody who really is walking the walk. You know, he really, he doesn't just show up and do the VO, but he's also really coming. The reason he had such goodwill for Josh is because every time he'd break down in his biodiesel bus, that was fun you know, running on hemp oil, he'd, his assistant would ring up Josh on his cell and be like, how do we get the bus going again? And I think all of us who are ecologically minded have been trying to find our way to the solution for climate change for a yeah. long time. And I think that what's beautiful about the message of regeneration and the message of Kiss the Ground is that this is such a uniting moment for all of us where we can finally see a clear pathway for where to put all of that carbon that is in the wrong spot and how, you know, it dawned on me in this conversation, I'm the sixth generation farmer in my family from the Midwest, corn and soy. You know, I think my family were part of pushing Native Americans West, you know? And I just think about, you know, the seven generation lesson that we can learn from indigenous people thinking about you know seven generations in the future and the seventh generation of my family are my kids and so here i am thinking wow my family really messed it up for my kids and you know and, and a lot of families did but it's not too late yeah. and we can turn it around and If you want to find out how to turn around and how to get involved, check out Kiss the Ground. Check out KissTheGroundMovie.com. This really is a movement that's for everyone.
0: Thank you. Thank you for for that answer. And thank you for letting people know KissTheGroundMovie.com is where they can go to find out more about this and take action and support people who are doing this and pass it around. You mentioned, Joshua, you mentioned earlier that there'll be an opportunity to see this for free. It'll be in, in, in schools. Expand on that a little bit.
2: So, starting this January, the so you know the film Kiss the Ground's been on Netflix. A lot of people think that uh, Netflix is the releasing company. It's not. We Big Picture Ranch are the distributor of the film. Uh, Netflix was kind enough to license the uh, subscription video on demand rights, but they were also kind enough to allow us to keep the educational rights. So, starting in January there is a 45-minute version of the film that is made for one classroom period of time. Perfect. uh, That will be made free, available free, to every student in America. It's 30 million students, uh, grades six through 12. Uh, It's gonna be put out by 250,000 science teachers to 114,000 schools. And whether you're learning, uh, distance learning due to COVID, you're learning at home, or you are getting to go to a physical school, that, that doesn't matter. You can watch the film either way. It'll be available. You can literally put it on your screen, just like uh, uh, you know Netflix, except you don't need a subscription. You can do it for free. And right there, watch the 45 minute cut. Uh, we're gonna be working with the National uh, Science Teachers Association to put together a curriculum that will go with the movie for te- teachers and for parents. Who want to uh, do a learning lesson with the film? So, you know, as far as we know, it's the largest scale effort for a doc, for an educational science documentary uh, that we've seen, and uh, that'll be launching in January for free.
0: Fantastic! And you're going to be speaking to a very open and willing audience. Kids today are—they get it. They do get it, and they're and they are prepared to do what they need to do. So, congratulations and. On- all of that. Congratulations on the film, "Kiss the Ground." Congratulations on the release. Congratulations on getting it in front of people who are going to be eminently concerned about their own future. So, I am um, absolutely congratulations to all, both of you for your work here.
1: Thank you. A thousand farmers have requested the film to over a thousand farmers to screen it on the farm as well. So, I think you know Good. it's a that's a that's a great starting point.
0: Yeah. And also, let's, you know, we've got, we've got the urban farmers. Now we've got, Mm -hmm. we've got urban food markets, you know, things are happening around. We're putting, we're putting plants and reflective material on our roofs now starting to do a little more of that. We're getting there. It's just, we're, I feel like we're the lemmings running for the cliff, which are we, you know, are, where are we going to, I don't think we're, I hope we don't make it to the cliff. That's, that's what I hope. So um, thank you both very much for being here today on film school radio we've been talking with the co-directors of this wonderful film kiss the ground joshua tickel as well as rebecca harrell tickel thank you so very much for being here on film school radio
1: thank you mike thanks mike for having me here thanks 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 for listening